the guys, most of the guys know who I am, um, but to the ladies, I am Caleb Pollard. I am the recreation intern here at Green Acres. Uh, I usually work at the North Campus, but I also work at the Rock a lot too, so uh, kind of doing both. I've been here since February, something like that, um, really just trying to figure out what the Lord's calling me to. I love sports, I love kids, so I'm just kind of, there's an open door for this, so I kind of just pursuing that. Um, me and Dustin, we go, we go way back. Um, just a quick quick testimony, I guess. Uh, I grew up in a Christian home, um, kind of going through the motions, did all the Christian stuff. I was a good Christian kid that, uh, I don't know, the model Christian kid, I guess. I tried to be, at least. Um, my family loved the Lord. I just, I knew about the Lord. I just didn't know the Lord personally, so there was no relationship there. Um, fast forward about 16 years of that life, and I went to Falls Creek, Oklahoma, church camp in Falls Creek. Uh, one of my friends invited me to go. I was like, I got nothing else to do. That was the one year I took off baseball because... Baseball was life. Baseball every weekend, every summer, and that was the one time I, I took off for baseball. And um, I go with Terrell First Baptist Church, which is Dustin's church at the time. He was a youth pastor. Um, one of the most amazing experiences of my life. I'd never been to camp before, and that was it was so awesome. But that was the week that I met the Lord and uh, that I started the journey of Christianity and uh, surrendered my life. Um, and that's also where I met Dustin. So. I was thinking on the way here. I was thinking on the way here. That was the week that I met two of the most influential people in my life. I met Jesus, who obviously is number one most influential because he's the one that changed me. But also Dustin. Um, he is one of the most influential people just because he has poured so much into me. I know y'all love him. Y'all have come to love him so much as, as pastor. But I knew Dustin at a time where uh, he was a youth pastor. He had a little bit more time to spend with with us kids and. Uh, after I accepted the Lord, I was just, I was so hungry um, for the Word and so hungry for learning. And once we went back to um, to Texas, my family started going to the church. So I started getting involved in the youth group and under Dustin, just learning under Dustin. And uh, it was such a good time. Uh, a couple years down the road, I asked Dustin to be my mentor. Uh, started meeting every other week, I believe, at McDonald's. And uh, we just went through the Word. He just... Uh, poured so much knowledge into me, so much wisdom into me, um, taught me the scripture, taught me how to study the scripture. It was just such a super beneficial time in my life um, that we had. Um, after that, went to community college, graduated from community college, went to Mississippi College. Um, I got my degree in Christian studies and a minor in business, but um, it was probably the sophomore year that I had this intense desire to do ministry. I had no idea what type of ministry. I'm obviously not gifted. I mean, I'm not, I don't think I'm gifted in um, vocational like speaking but I'm trying to get better at that so I'm just trying to explore the different um, different routes I guess of ministry right now and uh, yeah so that's kind of where I'm at um, Dustin is such a huge blessing in my life I know he's blessed y'all in so many ways so uh, love that guy I know he's gonna listen to this and probably blush but uh, I love him a lot he's been one of the most amazing people uh, the Lord is it's just the Lord's timing the Lord's plan to, to put him in my life at the time in my life and uh just to see the growth that came from that so um yeah so right now like i said i'm just trying to find the open doors go through the open doors try to figure out what the lord's calling me to and uh just pursue them with everything i have so you're gonna be fine <laughs> i appreciate that that's right that's right so i i'm very nervous by the way so this is only my second time second time doing this but, uh, there's a lot it was, a, it was a lot more intimidating with just the guys because they all, you know, had the straight faces and 
Just kind of shook their heads every now and then. <laughs> and stuff like that, so it kind of scared me a little bit. So I was shaking up there, but anyways, so, uh, yes, sir. Yeah. When I was in the military, I get motivated to the sergeant. And I had to give him a first class. It was out in, out in the boonies. Had to give him a first class. I looked up and I saw the helicopter flying around. It flew around from the wild heck part. I saw it coming down. Big Lieutenant Colonel came walking up to my class. And I, lo- I, lost, I lost everything I had. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't even think of my name. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be fine. <laughs> yeah, gonna be fine. Well, is that, is that the end of the story, or did you? Well, I, I got to it. And I got okay. To the class. <clears throat> he said, I need to hear more. I guess I did okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, let's get it. I'm going over uh, 1 John 3, 11 through 24 tonight. My handouts are really terrible. I'm still new at all that. So just kind of fold it over, pretend it's together. <laughs> all right, so quick question for, uh, for all of us. Uh, have, we, have we ever, or have you ever hated somebody? And that's, we don't have to raise our hands because we all know we've all hated somebody at some point of our life. Uh, I know I have. I'm the first one to admit it. Um, for me, for me as a kid, Growing up, I had you know two older brothers torturing me in many ways. Uh, whatever that is, that one one story came to my mind of one of my brothers holding me down and grabbing one of those nail filers and scraping my face up. It was, <laughs> it was and I was probably you know six or seven. I, just stuff like that just kind of goes to my mind when I think of the hatred at the time. Um, you know, as I got older, uh, or you know, also when I was a kid, my my little sister, she was the queen of tattletelling so just the anger and the the hatred that came as a kid from like oh i really want you to be hurt right now but at the time i didn't really know what how severe uh the hatred was i had or what that emotion was and i really let it control me in many ways um but you know as for for all of us we've all hated somebody at one point of our time uh, one point of in our life um and we don't realize the effect it has on us but also the effect it has um on the person we hate too so we're going to look into, um, like I said, First John uh, 3, 11 to 24. So he's talking about loving each other, uh, about a selfless love. So I'm going to go verse by verse. Um, verse by verse, just trying to pull out the text, just trying to observe it and see, see what we can learn today. So how y'all doing? Stephen, Mr. Glenn, how you doing? All right. So First John 3, 11 through 12. Let's read that real quick. It says, For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil, who was of the evil one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. So John takes us all the way back to Genesis for an example of, of hatred. Um, you know, we all know the story, most of us probably know the story of Cain and Abel. Uh, they both gave a sacrifice to God. Um, God was pleased with Abel's, but was not with Cain's because he did not give it out of the right heart. Did not his motives were not right when he gave the sacrifice. So he rejected Cain's and he accepted Abel's. And Cain saw this, and he just this anger grew up, grew up inside of him, and just manifested and, and became a hate, a hate so much that he he murdered he murdered Cain. And we all know the story, but it's 
we, we you gotta have to you kind of step back and ask yourself, have I ever been to that point where I hated somebody so much that I wanted to murder somebody? And in our heart, maybe. We, we would probably never do that, but sometimes we need to look at our heart. We need to really really examine our hearts and what we really feel against that person because that, that's, that's a sin. And we'll go later, talk about later what Jesus says about that, um, just about hating your brother and what your heart says about that. Um, Cain is a perfect example of how evil hates righteousness. Every time we do something of righteousness and the right act, um, something glorifying to the Lord, evil hates it. Satan hates it. Whenever we open our mouth toward, uh, for the gospel, open our mouth toward love toward somebody, evil, evil hates it. Satan hates it so much. He wants it to be, he wants it destroyed and he wants us, he wants to keep us down so that we do not act in righteous ways, act in ways that are glorifying to the Lord. The next verse we have is 3.13 and that says, do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. Um, this is a great verse, but uh, John is just warning the believers that when they love the way Christ loves, they will be opposed. They will be opposed by the wicked um, for their righteousness and for their obedient acts. Because when we're obedient to the Lord, when, we're, when we act in a way that Christ would, when we love others like Christ would, we're going to be opposed. We're going to be hated for that love. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but it just it happens naturally um, because we do not we're not we're not of the world. It kind of makes more sense in that way. We're not of the world. We're almost, we're ambassadors. We're passing through because we're of a new world. We're of the kingdom. Um, so people here don't understand why we do what we do. Um, let's see. Um, so what John is saying here is, if we're loving others like Christ commands us to love. There will be hostility. There will be people coming up against us. And as we see in your notes, um, sorry, as we see in our notes um, through uh, the mouth of Jesus is uh, John 15, 18 through 19. If someone could read that for me real quick, just out loud, I'd appreciate it. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the We also see another example in First uh, Peter, First Peter four four twelve. It says, if I get there, Second Peter, First Peter four twelve. It says, uh, <laughs> Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share in Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. So in these, I mean, we've all, we've all, I think we've all suffered in a way, not been, you know, beaten or our head chopped chopped off or something like that. But there are people around the world that does happen because of what we believe, because of what we teach, because of how we love others. When we look at, you know, foreign countries, close countries, uh, China, North Korea, um, where Christians are voicing what they believe, we're teaching, we're evangelizing, and because of that, we're being persecuted uh, around the world. But also here today, I mean, like like I said, in America, we don't get we don't get beaten up, we don't get uh, you know appendages chopped off, but we suffer in different ways. We suffer in uh, rejection. We suffer in people reje- like just 
casting us out, people um, making fun of us. That sounds kind of kind of silly, but it's true, um, especially as we grow up and we share our faith. Just people making fun of us and rejecting us. Um, but all these all these sufferings are so minor. As we, uh, as it says, as you as you wait for um, the revealing of the revealing of Him. Uh, I forgot what it said specifically, but it said basically all these sufferings that we we go through every day, all these trials and all these tough times, it pales in comparison to the day we get to see Jesus face to face, the day that we get to bask in the glory of the Father. Like whatever it is. We know that we're not of this world and we're of a different world, of the kingdom. And we get to experience Christ and we get to experience the Father for eternity. So these things just pale in comparison to that. So there's just comfort and just encouragement um, in that, him saying that. So moving on to uh, 314. It says, We know that we have passed out of death into life because we know, because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love, abides in death um, here death refers to the kingdom refers to the kingdom of Satan um, it's the realm of Satan and God's kingdom is characterized by life everlasting from death to life so the kingdom of God life refers to the kingdom of God um, this implies that we all start out dead we start, all start out unsaved as, as children as we grow up we, we live in Satan's domain, we live in Satan's realm. But it is not until we accept Jesus into our lives that we're reborn, and we are brought from death into life, brought from um, the kingdom of death into life. And evidence of our new citizenship of the new kingdom is the way we love others. Um, I think the love that people who do not know Christ is a cheap knockoff love because they don't they haven't experienced what it's like um, to be loved by the Father. They they don't. They don't understand fully the love um, that it was created to be, which is God's love to us, which is a perfect example. Um, and the author, the author of one commentary, puts it like this: It says, "He says uh, when Jesus came to die for our sins, there was nothing lovely about us. It was like the sun shining on a garbage dump. The pristine God stepped into his kind, into this kind of world, and let his love shine." The epitome of love is seen at the cross. Jesus is the walking definition of love. Only at the cross can we understand the love of God. So through Christ's sacrifice, which we'll get to here in a second, through Christ's sacrifice, we see true love. Um, it's a selfless love. It's a sacrificial love. Something that this world, without Christ, without the example of Christ, has never, has never heard of and has never experienced. So it's just so important for us to share that, obviously. Um, 317. I'm sorry, I'm way behind, aren't I? 315, I'm sorry, I just skipped something. Yes, 315. Um, it says, Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. I believe John is referencing uh, Matthew 5, 21 through 22, um, which says, should have already had that highlighted. It's a Sermon on the Mount. 5. I believe he's referencing this verse right here. It says, 
Have you not heard? Have you heard that is that what was said to those of old? You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. Um, John is just trying to really highlight the severity of hatred. It's it is um, it is so hatred itself. Um, when anger turns into hatred, it is such a it's such a toxic thing. It's such a thing that consumes our thoughts, and it it totally goes against what Christ commands. It totally goes against the love that Christ teaches and the, the way they love uh, the example of Christ, His love toward us. It totally goes against that because um, when you hate somebody, you want them to die. When you love somebody, you want them to live. It's the total opposite. So there's just so it's such an important. Um, it's so important for us to take thought those cap, take captive those thoughts of hatred, and flip them on flip them on his head and love instead of hate. You know, Caleb. I guess we've all heard where somebody has lost a loved one, a child that was murdered, and they hate them, but then they know that they have to forgive them, and it does. It takes a lot of love. It does. A parent to go and tell that person, "I forgive you." Yes, ma'am. I've seen, I've seen. Because hatred hey, was, if you have it in your heart, it's just going to eat you up. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I've, I've seen so many examples of, of what people are given the right to hate. And like you're saying, like when somebody murders a loved one, it's almost like we've been given the right to hate that person. People understand when we hate that person. Um, but like you said, Christ commands the opposite. He says forgive. And through the forgiveness, I've seen many stories of, of shootings, of the shootings that happened in you know, the last five years of that church that happened, um, of them saying, we forgive you, we forgive the shooter. And it's people, it just doesn't make sense to people because it's not the way people love. It's not the way the world loves. It's such a beautiful thing. And it brings so much, it's just glorifying to the Lord um, when we do what he says and it's forgive. And it's not easy at all. I'm not even going to stand up here and act like that because that is one of the most difficult. I can't even imagine having to do that. It is, it blows my mind. But it's it's such a, such a beautiful picture of the gospel, because we, we are trash. We have done so much, so much wrong, that it makes sense for for God to hate us, because we have rejected Him so many times, and we have thrown His thrown His name on the ground and stomped on it. Yet He loves us. Yet He sent His Son to die for us. It's just it's a beautiful picture of the gospel. Thank you, thank you for sharing that. Um, so yeah, just back to um, just taking every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. And when that hatred comes, we need to take it. Well, actually, when it starts to anger, we need to take that and flip it on its head before it turns into hatred. Because hatred is just, it's hard to get rid of. And like, like she said, it, it eats you up from the inside. So moving on to John 3.16. First John 3.16. Everybody's heard John 3.16. But uh, it's actually really cool to see the parallel between John 3.16 and First John 3.16. So let's look at that real quick. It says, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for his brothers. This is a love, this is a love that will go as far as death. Um, and just, just to think about loving someone so much to die for them, that's, it's hard to, it's hard to, like we, I mean, I know loved ones, we would, we would, we would die for them, but actually getting to that point of, there's a gun at your head and saying, who's it going to be, me or them? And just 
thinking about that. Um, just that the love that has to be there for that to happen, for you to voluntarily step into their place and say, I will take this upon myself. I will die for you. It's such a beautiful thing. Um, and that's what Christ did for us. And uh, let me read that one more time because I've got something really cool to share with, share with you all about this. It says, just to read one more time, it says, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, that we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. So Cain, going back to the story of Cain, he took a life because of hatred. He took somebody's life because he hated them so much. Christ, the opposite, gives life because he loves. Cain took life because he hated. Christ has given eternal life to everyone because he loved so much. He loved us so much that he gave us eternal life. Just the total opposite. I thought that was just so cool uh, to see the, the comparison there. Um, and Jesus, I mean, Jesus didn't come to the human race to tell us, uh, to tell us, hey, I love you. I love you so much. Um, you know, I would do this. I would do that for you. I'd do this for you. I just love you so much. But then, you know, a few days later, like, I'll see you all later. I'm going back to heaven. Like that, there's no example there. But Christ knew that we had, we had to have this example to know how to love. Um, and he laid down his life, which is the ultimate sacrifice. Uh, one, author, one author of the commentary puts it like this. It says, that's what I did. Sorry, that quote that I said earlier, that's actually what goes right there. I'm sorry, I got a little too ahead of myself. So, <laughs> I'm sorry about that. But, so going back to that quote, just about how we are garbage. We're so, we're trash, we are. But because of Christ, what he did on that cross, we're made perfect. When, when God looks at us, he sees Jesus. He sees perfection. He sees, he sees perfectly clean. He sees just, and that's, 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 what, that's what he sees when he sees us. If we have Christ in us. And that's such a mind-blowing thing because every single day when we mess up we know that Christ isn't like oh that piece of trash he's like that's my child as a perfect as a piece of perfection I don't know how to word that that's that's just that's my child I love him and I'm, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get him let's move on to 317 back on track <laughs> it says uh 317 says, but if anyone has the world's good, if anyone has the world's good goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God, how does God's love abide in him? Well, very few Christians um, will be called to lay down our lives uh, like Christ did. Um, we're always, we should always be willing to sacrifice other ways, in other ways, um, for others. So, like I said, not, not everybody's going to be, be in the be in the situation where if you don't die, then this person doesn't get life. It's you know if if we don't sacrifice something that we have that we have maybe even abundance of um, for someone who needs it, um, that's what we're commanded to do: just to love in sacrificial ways, just just as Christ did. Uh, and John specifically is talking right here about um, just those in need in this passage, those less fortunate. Um, 3.18 says, Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. And that is convicting right there. Um, this verse is not, doesn't need much ex- explanation at all. Um, but my study of this word, of, the, of, this, of this passage, was very convicting this week for me. The Lord just straight up asked me, he's like, are you, are you loving your family? Are you loving others this way? 
you know, I can go around all day and say, I love you, I love you, you know, family, I love you, I love you so much, you know, I would do anything for you. But if I'm not actually showing it, if I'm not actually acting that out, then my words are pointless. Um, you know, I work at a church. I'm the, I'm the recreational ministry, <laughs> recreational ministry intern. You know, I say that I love Jesus, but am I acting that out? Um, and also, just going back to that, the Lord asked me, he's like, hey, are you loving me like this? Are you loving me just with your mouth? Or are you loving me with your actions? Are you loving me with how you love other people? Are you loving me with what I've committed you to do, which is share your gospel and take opportunities to love people? Are you doing that? And I think that's something maybe each and every one of us, just weekly, we can just ask ourselves. You know, just, taking a, just examine our last week, our last month, and how we've loved people. Have we taken opportunities to go out of our way, to be uncomfortable, to love somebody, to share, to share the gospel. That's really uncomfortable, but just to love them. I mean, there's the gospel shared just through love. And that's just something I think I'm going to start doing for myself, is just examining week by week how I'm doing with the way I love the Lord, just the way, I, the way I'm um, following His commands and what He's commanded me to do. So, quick story of the Salvation Army. Um, I, don't, I didn't really know much about Salvation Army. But uh, this was in one of the commentaries, and uh, he was talking about the founder, William, William Booth. He said back in the day, he sent a one-word telegraph to his officers and said, it just said, others, exclamation point, others. And that was an encouragement to all the officers. That was their mindset, was others' mindset, others-driven. It's all about my brother. It's not about me. And um, they had such a selfless, selfless mindset in every situation. And an uh, example, perfect example is this, which still blows my mind. But on May 29th, 1914, the Empress of Ireland sank with 130 Salvation Army officers on board. 109 of those officers drowned in the accident. Not one of the officers, not one of the officers' bodies that was picked up had a life, had a life jacket on. And the people who survived recounted the accident and said the Salvationists, is what they called them, um, during the chaos, finding that there wasn't enough life jackets for all the people, they took off their life jacket and gave it to every single person they could find. It says, and it, and it even says, um, I just thought it was funny they put this in there, they said they even gave it to the strongest men, and they told with their face, I can die better than you, because they had Christ. And they did not know if they were going to heaven. Um <laughs> And uh, I don't know, it's just such a beautiful picture of, of Christ and what he did for us. Um, willing to go as far as not just saying, hey, I believe in the gospel, I believe in Jesus, I believe he did this for me, and I'm going to live like this, but actually doing it. Because these guys, 109 of these guys, selflessly gave their life for the other people. And it's just it's such a beautiful picture. I'm moving on to 319 and 20 through 21. It says, by this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him for wherever our heart condemns us whenever our heart condemns us god is greater than our heart and he knows everything beloved if our heart does not condemn us we are we have confidence before god <coughs> i know that we've all i know we've all, we've all had this happen we, we we kneel down to pray you know in the morning at nighttime whatever during the day and our conscience you know the enemy just fills our mind with are you seriously kneeling before God? Or are, you, are you about to pray to God? Like, do you know what you did last week? Do you know how you treated that person last week? Do you know what you <laughs> said to that guy last week? 
and you're kneeling before an almighty God, who do you think you are? You think you're good enough to pray to, pray to this God? And our conscience is filled with these lies. Satan just fills our head with these lies. Um, I'm way behind. I'm really sorry. Sorry, I'll go back to that one. Um, it just fills our head with these lies. And it's like our heart is saying, you're not good enough to pray to this almighty God who loves you so much. Um, but the cool thing is, going back to what we said earlier, when God looks at us, he sees Jesus. He sees perfection. He sees... He sees a perfect sacrifice taking our place so that we may have eternal life. Um, and God knows God knows everything. Um, he knows the past. He knows the future. He knows all of our life. And so when we come, when, when, when our heart and when our conscience and when the enemy condemns us to these things, God knows what happened in the past, what happened on that cross. And we can go confidently before, before him um, when we pray and when we talk to him. Um, just the confidence that we have as children of God, um, uh, does it, God, does, God doesn't want us to be afraid or, or, or unconfident when we, we come to Him in prayer. Romans eight seventeen says that if we are children, then we are heirs of God. If we are children of God, then we are heirs of God. And if heirs of God, then fellow heirs of Christ. Which is, we're on the same level as Christ. And it's, it's amazing to think about. And then also in Hebrews four sixteen it says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. The confidence that we can have going before the throne of God, it's not a, it's not a oh Lord, I'm so afraid of you. you know, there's a confidence there because we know we're the child of God. We can, we can approach him with confidence. And then also in Hebrews 10, 19, it says, we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. 3.22 says, and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. Now, uh, I guess this might be a, one, of Joel Oste- one of Joel Osteen's go-to verses, but uh, um, it's a good verse. And uh, it's talking about um, that he hears us. He hears everything we ask. We are just to ask it. And he, he, gives good, he gives good gifts to his children. Uh, we find that in Scripture, too. Not that, you know, you're going to ask for a million dollars or it's going to, you know, show you a mailbox the next day. Um, because as we see in 1 John 5, 14, it says, And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Um, you know, so in that verse, it's not, it's not saying, you know, if we ask for, you know, a new fishing boat or a new truck, it's going to show up in the, in, the, in the front yard the next day. But also, you got to think about, our heart desires things. Uh, we want things selfishly sometimes, but also it's good desires of our hearts. And the Lord knows all of our desires, so we should just voice them. You know, the Lord, you're not, you're not, Lord, I don't want that. But actually do wanting it, the Lord knows. So let's not try to fool God, I guess, in some ways. Um, but also, the Lord knows when you ask Him things, if it's good for you. He knows all the way down the road. Hey, if you're asking me this, I know it's going to hurt you. I'm not going to answer that prayer for you. But He knows exactly how it's going to affect you in the future. So if we ask it and it doesn't come, not that I'm saying ask for trucks, but if, if, if we ask him something and it doesn't happen, it might just be because it's going to hurt us in the, in the long run. Another thing just to think about is God God wants to hear our big prayers. And he also wants to hear our small prayers. Um, big prayers, the prayers that seem impossible to happen. Lord, heal this person, do this. He, lo- he wants to hear the big prayers because he is, he is an impossible God. He, he does the impossible. 
um, but also the small prayers, the prayers that we think are really insignificant and really don't matter. He also hears those as well. So they're all important. He cares about them all. I'm still way behind. I'm sorry. Fear of confidence. God knows all things. All right, and finally, 3, 23 through 24. It says, And this is, the command, this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of the Son of Jesus Christ and love one another just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit of whom he has given us. We are given a twofold command um, in this verse. It's to believe in the name of Jesus and love the fellow believers. Um, when John says, a little word study here, but when John says the uh, name, believe in the name of Jesus, um, he's using a meto, metonymy. Don't know how to pronounce that. It's something to do with grammar. But it's, what, how, how do you pronounce it? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you said it. <laughs> um, it, just, it just means a word to describe a whole. It's, it's a part of something to describe a whole. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, but in this, for instance, Jesus' name, Jesus' name is referencing the whole person. So when it says the name of Jesus, it's referencing the whole person. I don't know why I put it like that. It's just literary. And he just put it to confuse us all. But uh, so when he says the name of Jesus, he means the whole person of Jesus. So when we're commanded to love Jesus, love his name, um, we're not always supposed to love him in his name, but also the act, the work of Jesus as well. Um, and lastly, we have the assurance that God abides in us by the presence of the Holy Spirit in us. Um, I mean, if if you are a believer, you've experienced the Holy Spirit working inside of us in crazy ways. It's just so hard to explain to non-believers how the Holy Spirit works. Um, he prompts us. He guides us. He shows us things that shows us things that we need to illuminate our life. Um, he does amazing, amazing things, and it's just. It doesn't make sense to the world, but it's just such an amazing gift that Jesus left left us when he uh, when he left Earth. Um, and also, I forgot what verse it was, but it was just so cool to think about um, this. It says Jesus left the Holy Spirit as a down payment for our souls, basically. Um, so, kind of just like with money, it's like a down payment. I'm giving this now to get to get the whole thing later. He's giving us now, giving the Holy Spirit now, and later we'll get the whole whole package. We get the Holy Spirit, we get the Son, and we get the Father. It's just it's just so cool to think about. So, but uh, just in summary, um, <laughs> just I guess examine, um, try to practice examining your life and how we love others. When we come in contact, uh, did we love them well? How can we love them better next time? Are we loving them in a sacrificial, selfless way? Um, so just something to think about. There is just day to day, everywhere, everyone we come in contact with. There's a lot of number <laughs> majority. I would say, our non-believers we come in contact with. And the way we love them could speak volumes. Um, I forgot who said it, but they said, uh, you might be the only Bible someone ever reads today, ever. You, the way you treat them is, we're a light. We're light in this world. And people see Christ through us. So just take advantage of every opportunity to love somebody, to love somebody well. And, uh, yeah, so... God's good. His gospel, his gospel is very good. 
<sighs> was I was I turning purple? I think I, I think I, I talk so fast when I get nervous, so I'm really sorry. So, but uh, but anyways, uh, so yeah, thank y'all so much for coming, um, for listening. I'm still new at this, but I hope I hope y'all were encouraged in some way and just reminded of the truth. It's so good to remind ourselves of the truth every day. But uh, so yeah, I hope I just encouraged y'all in some way. So, but let me let me pray us out real quick, and y'all can get going. So, Father, I thank you so much, Lord, just again for who you are. Lord, we thank you so much for your gospel, your beautiful gospel, Lord, just the selfless way you loved us, Lord, the ultimate sacrifice that you paid on that cross for us. Lord, we praise you and we glorify you, Lord. Father, I pray that as we go out this week, we will take every opportunity to love um, every person we come in contact with with a selfless love, with the love that you loved us with, Lord. Um, and we might come, we might, we might come, uh, come up against uh, people who uh, reject us. We might come, come up against people who just think we're crazy, Lord, for what we do and how we do it. But you already told us how it happened, so we shouldn't be surprised. Father, we just pray you just fill us with the Holy Spirit as we go out this week, and that we love, love well, Lord. And uh, we don't just we don't just give lip service, Lord. We don't just tell people we love you. That we don't just um, post on social media or wherever that we love you so much, Lord. But we would act it out. That we would show the world that we love you by the way we treat others and by the way we um, we just do life, Lord. We we thank you so much again for what you did on that cross. We pray pray for a great rest of the week. And uh, it's a great night, Lord. Thank you so much for the opportunity to speak and just to uh, hopefully encourage some of these people here today. And uh, yeah, Lord, we just, we know you're faithful. We praise you for that. We praise you for your love. And, you know, I ask all I say in your name. Amen. Amen. Amen.